0: Last week was Cervical Cancer Awareness Week, running from Monday the 18th to Sunday the 24th of January. And the aim of such a week is to educate. Did you know cervical cancer can be prevented? Through education, the risk of the disease can be minimised. As we all know, education is key. Whilst ladies, the contents of this episode is crucial for you to know and understand. Guys, equally, The information here is valuable, especially if you have women in your lives. So this episode will focus on cervical screenings, HPV and cervical cancer. There may be the odd, naughty word, so as per usual, listener discretion is necessary. as soon as you mention cervical cancer the first thought that comes into your head besides obviously a feeling of dread and fear is a smear test I think most people are familiar with the fact that smear tests or what was once known as smear tests because now we generally call them cervical screenings smear tests were associated with cervical cancer prevention I think this is a good thing it's a good thing that the association can be made it's definitely clear and I think that's one step towards making it normal I think with anything as far as tests whether that's tests whether that's vaccinations whether that's anything that we kind of have to do medically a lot of the time there is a sort of unspoken kind of thing that goes along with it I think for a lot of women talking about cervical screenings is not really the done thing you know I've been in circles where it's quite normal to say oh you know, I've got to go for a smear test, or I had a smear test, or you know what I mean. But then, equally, I've been around people that the mere thought or the mere mention of a cervical screening, it's like, what, what, why are we talking? Oh, no, ooh, ooh, don't want to talk about that. Like, fuck that. I think it's important to be able to have these conversations amongst our peer groups. Worryingly, the stats tell us that not all women are recognizing the importance and the necessity of having cervical screening you know not all women are attending appointments making appointments all women of a certain age should be doing these it's crucial the great thing is here in the UK cervical screening is actually free on the NHS so there's like no real reason why we can't or all women can't advantage of this. I think it's important to note that when we talk about cervical screening first of all the actual screening itself is not a test for cancer. I think whilst yeah we can make the association that cervical screening or smear tests is associated with cervical cancer yeah it is because ultimately that's what it's out to prevent but the actual screening itself is not looking for cancer in the first instance. The way it goes about attempting to prevent it is by checking for HPV which is the human papillomavirus. Basically HPV is what causes changes in the cells in the cervix which can then lead on to cervical cancer. It's funny because I think a lot of women know their bodies to a point. We understand we have in terms of our female reproductive system a lot of us are not entirely au fait with everything that's happening inside and in some ways it's understandable because i mean as long as everything's functioning we kind of just take it for granted that well we don't really need to know we just kind of know that we're working okay so we don't really take the time out to familiarize ourselves outside of sort of sex education like when do you really talk about what is happening in terms of reproductive system unless something is wrong unless you go to the doctors for something unless you're having some kind of gynaecological issues only then do you really kind of get into what is happening internally so a lot of women aren't familiar with what's happening so the cervix the cervix is a small round organ with an opening called the os now the cervix it forms a canal which joins the top of the vagina to the lower part of the womb now i've spoken about this before we use the term vagina as a general name for what is actually called the vulva a woman's bits like down there the lips the clit the the hole which is the entrance to the vagina and all of that down there is actually called a vulva even though a lot of people reference it as a vagina so if we understand that the vagina is actually the tube that you know where the dick goes or the vibrator goes or where the baby comes out of that's the vagina so the cervix joins the top of the vagina joins the top of the tube to the lower part of the womb the cervix it has an important role in the reproductive system of a woman if you have like a regular period, the lining of the womb, as you know, sheds itself each month. The cervix then opens to allow the blood to flow out of the vagina. So the cervix is almost like a, a, a gate, if you like, a doorway. It opens up to let the, the blood flow out. And this is an important part of the menstrual cycle because if the cervix didn't open, then the blood would just build up in the womb and then that's, that's a whole another situation you've got going on there. During pregnancy the cervix closes to help protect and keep the baby inside the womb until it's ready to be born and that's why generally you don't have periods when you're pregnant. Okay so back to cervical cancer and cervical screening. So statistically in almost all cases of cervical cancer the women affected have been infected by HPV at some point. Now it's important that we're specific here because HPV is actually a group of viruses with around 100 different types so it's not one virus it's a group of viruses. HPV yep it is indeed spread through sexual intercourse and other kinds of sexual activity that involves skin to skin so that could just be you know it might not literally be penetration but it could be using sex toys it could be rubbing your bodies close together your genitals close together you know that kind of thing so anything where there's a skin-to-skin kind of contact there is a risk of uh, spreading HPV. Another example of an infection caused by HPV is genital warts. Now most of us would have heard of genital warts in one way or another. Again, even if that's going back to school when we learnt about sexually transmitted infections, you would have heard the term genital warts at some point. It presents a small kind of growths on the skin. Sometimes they appear in groups, and when they do appear in groups, they can look like little mini cauliflowers. Genital warts can affect men and women, and they generally affect the skin around the genital area. So that can include like the thighs, obviously around the genitals, so that could be around the entrance of the vagina, actually around the labia, that kind of stuff. Uh, in and around the anus, uh, with guys, it could be anywhere on the penis, the scrotum, just anywhere in the genital area, basically, anywhere. The NHS website actually tells us that most women are likely to be exposed to some kind of HPV infection during their lifetime. Thankfully, and this is where it's important to note the difference, thankfully not all types are connected to the increased risk of cervical cancer. In fact, out of all of the different types of HPV that there are, HPV-16 and HPV-18 are considered the most risky and most connected to cervical cancer. The reason why these two types of HPV are the most high risk is because it is thought that they actually stop the cells in the cervix from behaving normally, thus encouraging an overproduction of cells which could eventually lead on to the growth of a cancerous tumour. So this is why when we have cervical screening, the test is actually for high-risk HPV. I think it's worth mentioning the type of HPV that causes genital warts is actually considered low risk so if we're comparing the different types the high risk the ones that can potentially cause cervical cancer the low risk like the ones that can cause genital warts are considered pretty unpleasant to have but they're harmless essentially and well they're not linked to cancer it's funny before having my first screening i remember thinking all kinds of scary thoughts about what to expect despite the fact that i had a mum that was really open about stuff and. You know, we spoke lots and, you know, I was pretty. It's funny because I was kind of clued up on what to expect, but yet you hear those other kind of stories from other people. A really popular one was, oh, you know, I couldn't get the speculum up, or she was digging away and it really hurt and it was really, really painful. Another one was this concept of scraping. Like, I just had this visual in my mind that I was going to be scraped. You know, like when you scrape ice off a car. I just felt like, and I'm quite sensitive to like sounds and feels and all this kind of nonsense. So you can imagine I was like feeling this kind of scraping in my head, in my stomach. You know what I mean? It's like, I was thinking, oh my God, this is, it's going to be awful. I had so many crazy visions. And then I was thinking, oh my God, then what if they find something wrong? And then what if they don't? And then what if they don't take enough sales and have to go back? And I wouldn't say I was whining out, but I was kind of like a bit, ooh, concern i think it's fair to say that most people are a bit you know mm, about it even having had them you know several times over the years yeah the horror stories for the smear test horror stories okay the thing is if you haven't had cervical screening let me just put you at ease now because it's not as bad as you probably expect it to be Yes, it's a little bit undignified in the sense that you've literally got your bits out and you've got someone up there doing whatever, but it's not that bad. It's very quick. It's over in no time. And the good thing is you can ask for a woman doctor if you're quite finicky. I think generally they do sort of, I mean, I don't think I've ever had a male doctor. I don't even think it's ever been a thing. I don't know anyone that's had a male doctor. I mean, I'm sure they're there, but I think in terms of comfortability, especially if it's your first time, I'd say request a woman or just double check that the nurse or the sample taker is going to be a woman. Okay, so for those that haven't had one, usually how it all starts, the whole kind of cervical screening process starts by you getting a letter from your GP. The letter normally invites you to a screening at which point you would ring up and book. Obviously, with COVID and stuff like that, I'm not entirely sure how times are working out. You might need longer in terms of appointment because you'd have to give, I don't know, a lot of doctors are working where they give space in between patients and stuff. Obviously, your GP would advise you accordingly. Wearing a mask would be standard. And when you're in the waiting rooms and stuff like that, social distancing, that's if you're even allowed in. I know in my doctor surgery, you can only enter when it's your appointment time. So... It depends what, what the setup is, but they would tell you all of that. It is important like when you are arranging your appointment that you arrange it so you're not having a period at the same time because the results may be more difficult to obtain if you are. Obviously, you know, if you're bleeding and stuff, it might affect the outcome. Also worth noting that if you have sex up to 24 hours before your appointment, just try not to use any oil-based lubes. Um, again, that could kind of interfere with with the outcome of the results. So once inside, the nurse or the person that's conducting the cervical screening will explain everything to you, and this is this is the opportunity for you to ask any questions that you have, any concerns, anything like that. Just ask. There's nothing that you can ask that they haven't heard. There is nothing that you can ask that is strange or weird. Everything's totally valid. So make sure you ask all your questions. So then after that, you'll be asked to get undressed. From the waist down, here's a tip. Go in a skirt or wear a dress. So then you just have to remove your underwear and um, literally just hoist up when they ask you to lie down because that's what they'll do. They'll ask you to lie back on the examination bed with your knees bent upwards, ankles together and your knees apart. Or you could opt to lie on your left side with your knees bent. I guess it's about comfortability again. The nurse will then tell you what they're about to do. So they'll kind of say to you, "Okay, okay, now I'm going to insert the speculum into you. And then they will proceed to insert a speculum into your vagina. A speculum, if you're wondering, a speculum is usually a plastic cylinder with a round end. So I want to say it looks like a spoon, but I don't think it is. But it's kind of plastic and it's got like smooth edges. Like you can just Google it. Just Google speculum and you'll see that. So once the speculum is inside, the nurse will then gently open it up. So it kind of opens up, which will then sort of open up the cervix. She literally can see inside your cervix. And then at this point, she'll get like a little brush, like a small brush, which will take a sample of the cells in your cervix. This is probably the most uncomfortable part of the whole thing. I wouldn't say it's painful. It shouldn't really feel painful. It just feels strange. It's like you don't get brushed up there. Do you know what I mean? Like you don't get a brush up there. So it kind of feels a little bit funky, but it shouldn't hurt. And if it does hurt, obviously you tell her like, please, like, stop. It's hurting. The cells that are taken then go into a plastic container with liquid inside so they're preserved and obviously they're sent off to the testing lab after that and that's it. It's all done. You're good to go. Literally minutes provided you're relaxed. I think it's key to be relaxed because if you're not then it could be difficult to get the speculum up. I mean I did mention that horror stories of not being able to get it up were kind of rife before and still are before I had my first screening. I think that can happen like if we're real that can happen but that's usually because you're tense if you're really tense then yeah but that's like with anything i mean you could be having a shag and if you're tense like the dick's not you do you know what i mean it's i mean it's very different a speculum and a dick are two different things i shouldn't even use that as a comparison but or even a toy but what i'm basically saying is if you're tense you know your vagina's gonna close up in it it's gonna say nah babes ain't nothing going in there so you have to relax Really, really relax. Deep breath if you need to. And as I said, it will be over within minutes. So after that, there's no real effects. You might some people do spot, so they might have a few spots of blood or a very light, you know, very light bleed. That's normal. But you can pretty much carry on as you, you can pretty much carry on with your day, as you were. Your results, the results then should arrive to your home address within four weeks. In terms of when you get your results, let me give you a quick overview or the various screening results that you might see or could potentially see. So I guess the first one and the one that everybody wants is no HPV found. That basically means you do not have high risk HPV. That doesn't mean you don't have any other kind of HPV. That just means the HPV that they've been looking for, the HPV that can potentially lead to cervical cancer has not been detected. So following on from that, if that's what you get, you'll be invited back to have another cervical screening every three years between the ages of 25 to 49 and every five years, between 50 and 64 if you live in England and Wales. If you live in Scotland, you'll be invited for cervical screening in five years, whatever your age. They do it every five years. If your letter says HPV found, no cell changes found, this basically means, yes, they have detected high-risk HPV, but you do not have any changes to your cervical cells. So there's nothing of concern at the moment. Normally, you'll be invited back for another screening within a year or in a year just to check that the HPV is gone and hasn't created any kind of changes. Uh, If you get this result three times in a row, you'll be invited to have a corposcopy. If you get the result HPV found, cell changes found, this basically means that yes, HPV has been found, the high-risk HPV, and there are some cell changes in the cervix. You'll be invited for a corposcopy, which will be for further tests, and Just so you know, a colposcopy is an examination which is designed to take a closer look at your cervix. Like an expert would conduct this, so it won't be um, the same person or the same kind of person that you would have had at your cervical screening. It will be a colposcopist that does the examination. The colposcopy is used to both diagnose and to treat any abnormal cells. So, if you need any treatment, you may be diagnosed and treated during your first appointment. So there and then. Or you may be invited to a separate appointment for treatment. And I think that will depend hugely on the grade of cell changes. So how much changes are present. It is important to note that many cell changes do go away on their own. So it's not abnormal to have changes in cells that kind of rectify themselves. But some can develop on into cervical cancer. So this is why the colposcopy helps to identify whether the cell changes need treatment to stop this happening or not. So it's important that You know, you have that next step to determine where to go next. If you get a result that says inadequate, this basically means that the sample that was taken couldn't be tested properly. Could be that there wasn't enough cells taken or the cells can't be seen under a microscope properly. Simple as that. If you do get this result, you'll probably be invited back for a screening after three months. And um, yeah, you'll just repeat the whole process again. And hopefully whatever cocked up the result that time, whether it was not enough cells or whatever, is rectified. I think it's important to note, and I'm doing a lot of noting in this episode, I think it's important to note cervical screening is crucial. I keep saying this, I, I, think, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but I think it's important when we're dealing with something like this that we do, like repetition, just to drive home the fact that it's so crucial. Yes, all women that fit into the age bracket should be, you know, keeping up to date with their screenings. It is important that you feel comfortable throughout. So I spoke about some of the things you can do To feel more comfortable you can also take someone along with you for reassurance and support whether it's your first time your fifth time your sixth time whatever if you want someone to come along with you for support do that it's all about that also there is the option of booking a double appointment i mean as i said i don't know with covid there may be some restrictions but again if you're concerned you might have had a a bit of an experience previously so you might want a bit longer to maybe ease yourself in you know some people like to kind of get themselves in the zone before they do things that's fine. Maybe ask for a longer appointment. Could be that you're feeling anxious, you know, do what makes you feel comfortable. Also the speculum, I think generally there is a sort of standard size that is used, but you know, it could be that your vaginal opening is a bit tighter. So you may want a smaller size for comfort. Ask. They do have varying sizes, so it is worth asking. And if they do have it available, I can't see why they wouldn't use a different speculum. So again, you got to feel, you got to feel at ease with this. I feel like you've got to feel at ease with this. Otherwise, it's just going to be a horrific experience. Before I wrap up, I just wanted to say, well, I guess I just wanted to ask, did you know that there is actually a HPV vaccine available? Now, this vaccine aims to stop you from getting some types of high-risk HPV. There are currently three different HPV vaccines licensed in the UK that can protect. So you've got Gardasil, you've got Cervarix, and you've got Gardasil 9. Now, some of these are available, well, some of them. One of them is available on the NHS, and that's Gardasil. That protects against high-risk HPV 16 and 18, low-risk HPV 6 and 11. It is available on the NHS if you're in school, year 8, under 25 years old, and were offered the vaccine in school. It's also available privately. But interestingly, there are two other vaccines available on private, not NHS. So Virex, which vaccinates against the high-risk HPV 16 and 18, and also Gardasil 9, which, interestingly, vaccinates against high-risk HPV 16, 18, 31, 33, 45, 52 and 58, as well as low-risk HPV 6 and 9. As I said, not available on the NHS, uh, but available privately. We know the vaccination lasts for roughly 10 years, but could potentially last longer. But cervical screening should still happen. So if you're 25, say you took the screening at 18 and then you hit 25 and you get your letter, even though you've been vaccinated, it's still worth going. Like any vaccination, it's not foolproof. It doesn't mean you could never, ever, ever, ever. It just means that you're more protected. So you still have to take the responsibility and do your screenings. It just makes perfect sense. So that's a lot about cervical screenings. That's a lot about... HPV and cervical cancer I'm hoping it's helped to debunk some of the I think myths that surround the screening and just maybe offer some comfort to people that find it difficult to talk about these things find it difficult to even go because that's another thing I know there are a lot of people that just won't ring up and make an appointment as I said towards the beginning of this episode statistically we know that not all women are are doing their screenings that's concerning, and. It's concerning, but it's understandable in the sense that if you're scared of something, if you feel really fearful about something, then you just, you push that to the back of your mind and it's just not a thing. It should be a thing. Cervical screening should be a thing. It's free, it's quick, it's easy, and ultimately it could potentially save your life. So if you're a woman, make sure you keep up to date with those. And if you've got a woman in your life, just, you know, make sure she's she's looking after her cervical health too for more information do visit joestrust.org.uk it's got extensive information on there all about screenings all about hbv all about cervical cancer so much information everything that you could want to know or understand is all there for you so that's a great website to check out that's joestrust.org.uk i'll put all the information in the description box also the nhs.uk as always the nhs the good old nhs is always a good place to go if you're unsure you need clarification about something so do check those out well that's about it from me i'm going to go and drink a really huge glass of water because my mouth feels parched but whatever you're doing for the rest do enjoy and yeah if you fancy it hit me up on the socials as always cheryl's world s-h-e-r-r-y-l-s world that's on instagram and twitter if you just want to say hi or ho or yo whatever it's all good baby, baby good to hear from you. Until next week people take good care.